Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. And I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, last week, Manushka did an incredible job. The week before that, Dakota Duran, who's in the studio. Give it up for Dakota, who preached so good a couple weeks ago. But it's my honor to get to close us out. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Someone say, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, someone say a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I just want to take that little text. God knew before we began eight weeks ago where we would land, how we would land. It's the Lord who's speaking to us. And I just want to take the next 30 minutes or so. I'm hoping people over at Silver Spot are ready to preach back. People there on YouTube, get the people in your house ready. Make a little bit of space. Get aggressive with this message. People there in Zoom, man, you might need to get into a different posture. You might need to stand up a little bit. I just want to preach for the next few minutes from this subject, loud but little. Loud but little. Everyone say loud but little. Do a little bit better. Say loud but little. I'm hoping I can give you an anthem for the next seven days this week as you step into Monday that you would endure and you would constantly be saying, it's loud, but little. How many out there have ever been on a, a road trip before? Come on, where's all the, oh, okay, most of the people here in the audience today. Um, I feel like this summer in so many ways, I, I finally actually became a real dad. And, and, and what I mean by that is, of course, I've, I've had two kids for almost three years now. But um, this summer, I decided to take my boys on an official minivan road trip. Uh, we, we, we loaded the minivan up, and we decided that we were going to drive to Birmingham, Alabama, to go to the lake there in Alabama. It's about a 13-hour drive. I know, I know. Just, just thank you, Jesus. And... Um, we decided that we would, you know, plot a course, and we weren't going to do it in one day. It's just too much, and so we decided to kind of make a little, you know, a little bit of a trip and do some sightseeing. We stopped in, you know, the glorious region of Tallahassee. It was beautiful, and I was, I was, I was on a road trip, just living the dream. It's so funny because um, as I was in the driver's seat driving my kids to Alabama, I was just having so many memories, all these like nostalgic moments where I was remembering going on road trips with, with my parents, whether that was driving out to the mountains or driving to a nearby city. And what's funny, I know there's a lot of people in our church that you haven't had the joy yet of becoming a parent, 
But what's funny is how time feels so different from when you're a kid to when you're a mom or a dad. What's funny is like my perspective as a child on the road trip is so very different from my perspective as a dad on the road trip. Because as a kid, you ever notice this? Like, like for kids, time is so slow. But the older you get, you're like, slow down! Time is slipping away. It just goes faster and faster and faster and faster. But when you're a little kid, it's like, this is the longest day of my entire life. And I was just thinking and reminiscing about my experience because as a kid, I'd be in the back seat with my dad and on the road trip, I felt stuck. On the road trip, I felt uncomfortable, claustrophobic. I was that annoying kid. Dad, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Pull over. You know, like I, I was just, I, I was wanting breathing room. I, I, so many times I wanted to get off the trip. So many times I just wanted to get out of there. How do we know this? Because every little kid on a road trip has the same question. Are we there yet? Your kids say it. My kids were just saying it, and I said it. Are we there yet? Dad, how much longer is this trip? And I don't know if you had the same dad as me, but my dad would always say, a little while longer. And when a kid hears a little while longer, a kid simply goes, oh, you mean forever. <laughs> forever. It just, you mean forever. I didn't grow up with a GPS system. I didn't know the approximate amount of time remaining on the trip. These kids today are so spoiled. You have two hours and 22 minutes until you arrive at your destination, considering traffic. What? I didn't get that luxury. You didn't get that luxury. I just heard a little while longer, and all I heard was forever. What's amazing is being a dad on the journey my experience of being on the road trip is so different than what my kids are experiencing in the back seat. Because as a dad, I'm excited about the road trip. As a dad, I'm looking for the time together in the car. As a dad, I enjoy the journey. As a parent, most of us can say that when we're with our kids, it's less about the destination and so much more about the journey we're experiencing. I'm like, Literally, National Lampoon's summer vacation. I'm like, let's make some memories, boys, you know? I got us an audio book. I made everybody listen to it together. I had recap moments, reflections. My sons can't even speak yet, but I'm like, let's reflect on what we learned, you know? Because I, I want to be with my kids. I understand that time is moving quicker and faster than they could ever imagine. And when they say, are we there yet? I just say, a little while longer. I think in so many ways, when I view the faith journey, I view it just like that. I view following Jesus like a road trip with God. And I view us all getting in the minivan with God and God in the driver's seat heading to a destination. And all the while, many of us were going, how much longer? And God's response always is a little while longer. See, here's what I know today. I know right here in this studio audience, I know people over there at Silver Spot, I know people on YouTube, every single one of us. I don't need you to raise your hand. I don't need you to stand up and tell me your story. But every one of us are waiting on something. 
we just are. We're just, we're waiting on something. Maybe we're waiting on a healing. Maybe we're waiting on a breakthrough. Maybe we're waiting on a new job. Or maybe we're waiting on a promotion. Maybe we're waiting on a new relationship. Maybe we're waiting to get married. Maybe we're waiting for a, a loved one to come to Jesus. Maybe we're waiting for a kid in our home to come back from the prodigal road. We're all waiting on something. And the truth about the faith journey, the truth about following Jesus is can you learn to rule your spirit while you're waiting for you to arrive at the next destination? Can you learn to be happy on the road trip? Can, can you learn to discover that God is up in the driver's seat and I know you're feeling cramped right now. And I know you're feeling uncomfortable maybe right now. And I know you're feeling pressure right now. And I know you're feeling like you're suffering. I know some of you want to pull the car over and you just want to jump out. Some of you are like, I'm done with this faith thing. I'm done with this Jesus thing. I'm done with this church thing. I just want to eject. I just want to get out. God, how much longer? And God has the same response over and over again. A little while. A little while. Can someone say a little while? A little while. A little while longer. This is really what I think Peter's getting to the heart of in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. I want to skip the first two verses. I want to take, draw your attention to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, watch this, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This is what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, your suffering in comparison with eternity is a little while. So endure. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't jump out of the van. Stick with it. God wants to be with you in every season. I think for me, I'm just a practical guy. And I like specifics, and I like as much clarity as I can possibly get. And so I, I sit here, and I read this, and I hear Peter say, a little while you'll suffer. And if you're like me, you're going, okay, cool. I like it. I'm ramped up. Happy Sunday. Good to see some friends. Yay. Let's cheer for it. But what the heck? How long is a little while? Anyone ever feel that way? Like, Rich, that's your answer right now in the state we find ourselves in is how much longer do we have to go through this in our nation? And the pastor says a little while longer. You're like, not a good, not enough. I, I need more clarity. How many know that God, he operates on a totally different timetable than you and I? I think it's always healthy for us to remind ourselves that God is not on your timeline. He has his own timetable. Listen, God is not late. God is not early. God is only every time, all the time, on time, okay? It's just, it's just good when you start thinking about how much longer do I have to wait or how much longer do I have to go through this or how much longer do I have to endure. It's really good that you understand that God exists outside of time. And so the way that he tells time is not the way that you tell time and the way that he knows time is not the way that you know time. In fact, as you go into Peter's second letter, you just, some of you wanna just continue in the study, you can start next week just going into 2 Peter, <laughs> But watch this. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. This is really helpful. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, 
as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't know if you heard that, but Peter's like, you want to know what time is like to God? God says a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. What's he saying? He's saying time is irrelevant to God. He exists outside of time. And as you read this, you're like, bro, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like, I, I just, can we just go to heaven, Jesus? Like, it's been 2,000 years since you came. What are we waiting for? The suffering is bad. The pressure is bad. The disappointment is bad. Can you just come and rescue us? Can you just come and save us? It's been 2,000 years. But guys, I know it's not. It's been more like two days. What are you waiting on? Is he waiting to rescue us? That is not the context of the text. The scripture does not say that he's waiting to rescue us. He's waiting to judge us. Why has he not come back? Because he's patient and he's slow, not wanting any one of us to perish. But he says, I will wait on you till you come to me. I don't want to lose one. He's not slow in rescuing us. He's slow in judging us. His grace is inexhaustible. And while you're going through suffering right now, God is like, no, I just won't be with you. I'm with you. And I'm waiting on somebody else to turn to me because I am telling a much bigger story. This term, a little while, like I, I, I wouldn't give it so much emphasis if this was the only scripture I had. It's always important that when you study the Bible that you don't just isolate one scripture and teach a whole thing about it. You, you, you interpret the Bible with the Bible. You cross-reference the Bible. You have to read it in context. What's interesting is this term, a little while, this isn't the only place where it shows up. It's in other places in the Bible, most notably, Jesus. Now I'm getting encouraged. I don't know about you, but with all the media and all the news, I'm just looking for something I can trust. How about Jesus? <laughs> And Jesus, before he goes to the cross, before he is buried in a tomb, before he resurrects, before he ascends, he begins to foretell his experience to his disciples. It's in John 15, 16, 17. He starts to talk about the Holy Spirit. And specifically, in John chapter 16, Jesus, he tells the disciples, he's like, hey, check this out. Um, in a little while, you ain't gonna see me. And in a little while, you gonna see me again. And the disciples, like you and I, 2,000 years ago, sitting here in Casa Studio or at Silver Spot or on YouTube, were like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. John chapter 16, verse 18, here we go. They kept asking, who's that? The disciples. What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. So if it's confusing to you right now, rest assured it was confusing to them. Jesus saw this and wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, 
but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Now, Jesus, as he answers this question about a little while, he has a twofold meaning. In one sense of the word, he's referring to the fact that I'm about to die, so you ain't gonna see me. I'm gonna be in a tomb. And then a little while longer, you will see me because I'll, I'll resurrect. But as you study all three chapters, you understand that he's telling a bigger story, which is actually, you're not gonna see me a little while because I'm going back to the Father. And then in a little while, I will return and rescue my church. I don't know about you, but really, Jesus, with his own words, is clarifying for you and I that he sees 2,000 years still as a little while. He has not come back. He has not returned. We eagerly wait for this moment for him to return and to rescue us, and we endure in the process knowing confidently that what Jesus said is true. We're waiting. We are in the little while right now. And I love Jesus, right, because you ask him like really specific questions, and what does he do? He tells you a story. It's like your grandpa, right? You know, should I marry her? Let me tell you a story. What? <laughs> yes or no could have worked, you know? And what is the metaphor that Jesus tells us? I think it's a profound metaphor. He, he, he's wanting to explain to us the pain, the suffering, the endurance that we need. And he likens it to a labor, to a woman giving birth. How many of y'all know that women are the real heroes? Come on, somebody. <laughs> My favorite thing is when, when men get up and said, we had a baby. You didn't have nothing, bro. She had a baby. At best, you cheered for her, you know? But, it, but it's an interesting picture because the truth of the matter is, is that labor is awful in so many cases. It's intense. It's painful. So I hear. So I hear. In fact, this past week, uh, incredible leaders in our church, uh, Adrian and Michelle Molina, uh, she gave birth to their second-born son, Mason. We love that family. We're grateful for you guys. And the truth of the matter is, I'm sure any one of us could call Michelle right now. And if we wanted to, I'm sure she could give us some details about how intense the labor was and how uncomfortable it was. But my guess, knowing Michelle, is that if you started to get a conversation going with her, she would be so much more focused not on the labor, but on the prize. She would be so much focused, not on, not on the pain, but she would be saying, yo, when I'm staring at my baby boy, the labor and the pain pales in comparison to the prize of giving birth. Come on, somebody. This is what Jesus says to you and I. Jesus is like, you know what? Going through this life following me, it's going to feel at times like you are giving birth. But rest assured that the prize on the other side, it will be so much greater than the pain, the labor, the adversity before the prize comes. Anyone ever feel like your life be like, anyone ever feel like your money be like, Anyone ever feel like your marriage be like, your job, your friendships? Anyone ever feel like your purpose? Anyone ever feel like your calling? The Lord would say unto you today, keep on breathing. Keep on breathing. Keep on pushing. 
I'm telling you what, there is breakthrough coming, a birth will take place, and when you're holding your prize, the pain and the suffering will pale in comparison. Don't give up, endure. Come on somebody, give him a shout of praise. Keep on breathing, keep on believing, keep on enduring. If your life at times feels like, looks like labor, you are doing it right. This is what the Apostle Paul would specifically and precisely tell you and I. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is he saying? He's saying this little while suffering, this little while road trip, it cannot compare with that which God has promised me, which God has destined me, which God has called me to. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Come on, somebody. Keep on waiting. I got one message. Keep on waiting. Don't give up, hang in there, endure, it will be worth it. I wish I had more eloquence, I wish I had a broader vocabulary, I wish I had deeper revelation. All I got is this text. After you have suffered a little while, how long is a little while? How long is it? How much longer? Is 2021 gonna look like 2020? What about 2022? I don't know, but hang in there, endure. It reminds me of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. He's a prophet and he's angry at God. Some of us today, we feel kind of angry at God. We, we're confused. All sorts of different people in this room I'm speaking to right now and there's just confusion. So many people in America, they want two different things and there's just confusion and just feel angry. How come you don't respect my opinion? How come you think that's valuable? And how come you don't think that's valuable? And there's confusion. And some of us, we're, we're taking it out even on God. We keep forgetting that this world is broken. It will fail us. And that's Habakkuk. Some 700 years before Christ came. 700 years, not even a day to God. Like a third of a day. <laughs> He's mad at God. How on earth do you let the wicked prevail? How on earth do you keep letting people mock your name? Why does this keep happening? I'm mad at you, God. I'm paraphrasing it, but go read Habakkuk 1 and 2. He is complaining to God. I love God. God says, no, the vision's coming. He's speaking about Jesus, who's not gonna come for another 700 years. And God says back to Habakkuk, Habakkuk's like, how much longer? And God's like, yo, a little while longer. A little while longer. It's going to take some time for this vision to unfold, for the process of it to unfold. But he says very clearly in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I want to preach to somebody today on this Sunday. If it feels slow in coming, if the waiting feels longer than you expected, don't you dare give up right now. Your God is not late. Your God is only, always, on time. Keep breathing. Keep pushing. Keep enduring. 
You're going to get through this thing. So how long is a little while? The only answer I can give you is how long is a little while is like being a little boy in the back of a minivan talking to your dad. You're going, I'm enduring this road trip. How much longer? And he says, a little while. And in your mind, you go, that's forever. But what's amazing, the difference between the son and the father is the son is enduring, but the father is enjoying every moment. We're together. How long is a little while? I don't know, maybe a day. Maybe a thousand years. Maybe a season. Maybe a moment. Maybe your entire life. But it's not always about conquering. Often it's simply about enduring. Peter, he is laying this premise and he's, he's really echoing 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's fun taking some time like eight weeks because we can see the bookends here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he this entire thing is a, is a, is he's laying out doctrine. He's laying out theology. He's giving us a truth about God. And he's reminding us in 1 Peter 1 about the living hope. And now here in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's talking about suffering for a little while. And ultimately, this little letter comes down to this idea that, that suffering is a little. That it's, it's little suffering. That we're in the little while. Suffering in comparison to eternity, it's, it's a little. But what Peter is going to lean into now in a very specific, practical way, and I think it's fitting on this Sunday that we take a moment and we consider deeply, we evaluate ourselves, and we ask God for his grace because Peter is going to say, as you are enduring the little while, you need to be aware that there is a loud adversary who wants to come to you, who wants to get you to jump out of the van, who wants to get you off the path, who wants to ruin you and destroy you, and you need to be aware. Little suffering, loud adversary. Someone say, little suffering, loud adversary. Come on at Silver Spot, I wanna hear over there in the studio, everyone say, little suffering, loud adversary. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, going back up two verses, Peter writes in his closing remarks, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. I just want to show you just three little things. These are quick in the text that I think we need to all hear, especially on this Sunday, in this hour, when it comes to this loud adversary. Number one is be alert. Everyone say, be alert. alert. We need to wake up to this simple fact that there is a constant threat in in the spiritual realm known as the devil. And Peter is cautioning you and I to wake up and to be on your guard. Be alert, be aware. The enemy wants to come and jack with you. He has a plan to hurt you and to ruin you. The scripture says that he's like a lion, that he's he's prowling around the earth and he's looking for someone or something. Understand, if you are a friend to God, you're an enemy to the devil. 
I want to say it really loud. For If you love God, the devil hates you. There is a target on your back. This is why so many believers get so confused because they thought, oh, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And because I follow Jesus, I'm never gonna be tempted. I'm never gonna struggle. I'm gonna have this happy life and everything's gonna be perfect. White picket fence, two and a half kids. What is two and a half kids? It's perfect. But instead they start following Jesus like, yo, life got way harder. Because before that moment, you are a spectator in the stands. And the moment you said, I'm going to follow Jesus, you put a jersey on saying, I'm getting in the game. And now there's a target on your back. And if you're not aware, you're ignorant. You're naive. Peter's not trying to scare you. He's trying to warn you. He's prowling around. Let's cross-reference it. Job chapter 1. We see the exact same picture, remember? God calls everyone to attention because even the enemy has to obey God and the devil comes into God's presence and God says, where have you been? And what does the enemy say? He says, I've been roaming around the earth. See, the devil stays busy. He stays clocked in on your life. He stays relentless on your life. He stays trying to devour you. Jesus Christ himself said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Peter, he just sums it up with one word. He comes to devour you, bro. He comes to devour you. Some of us, we, we know what it's like to be devoured by the enemy's lies. Some of us are watching today and sin has devoured you. Addiction has devoured you. Low self-esteem has, has devoured you. Listen, I want to say this as gracious as I possibly can, but the devil and sin are nothing to play with. Nothing to play with. It's not a game. My wife and I, we were in Idaho two years ago visiting a friend, and we were staying there. They have a beautiful lake house, and you know, I'm from Miami. I'm from the city. You feel me? I, I like hotels. Um, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I like service. I like to sit on the beach and someone, you know, come and, what do you like? What do you want to eat? You know, I, I can do that, you know? But anything in the great outdoors is a, is a new level for your boy. And um, we were in Idaho and we were staying with our friends. And I remember one day we went into town or the community that we were in. And every person we came in contact with, I'll never forget, it, they said, <clears throat> please be careful. Um, they saw a mountain lion last night. I was like, excuse me, what? Uh, this is not normal uh, conversation for your boy from the 305, okay? <laughs> everywhere I went, everywhere. Like, like, like I went to the restaurant, the person behind, you know, served, hey, did you hear about the mountain lion? I'm like, no, you know, like, I just saw a car though. You're saying there's mountain lions here too? Every person we talked to said, hey, there's a mountain lion. Everyone, everyone saw the mountain lion. What's amazing is that every person took it upon themselves to warn us of the threat of the mountain lion. You know what I didn't see? I didn't see anybody Finding the mountain lion, going, oh my goodness, guys. Oh my God. It's a mountain lion. Come on, come on, come on. Let's pet him. Let's pet him. Nobody was getting selfies with the mountain lion. Nobody was capturing, it's the mountain lion, baby. No. Anybody who saw or heard about the mountain lion ran in the other direction. But we got people today that are saying, how close? Can I get to the mountain lion? How close can I get to the enemy? 
How close can I get to darkness? Can I get a selfie with it? Can I pet it? How close can I get before it devours me? And all I want to do from 1 Peter is just warn you and plead with you. I'm not coming at you judging you. I'm coming at you as your brother in the Lord. We need each other, and we need to wake up and be alert. We don't need to be afraid. We need to be alert. You go through the scriptures, man. Anytime somebody kind of fell into a slumber, David, when the, when the men went off to war, David held back, wasn't doing his job, wasn't staying alert. That's when he fell into sin. Samson, when he thought that he could just manage his lust and he could actually let go of his vows, that's when he lost all his strength. Peter, for goodness sakes. This guy, when he felt self-confident, I will never deny you, Lord. When he put his faith in himself, that's when the enemy came and devoured him, having him betray Jesus to a little girl. Wake up, church. Be alert. This ain't a game. It ain't nothing to play with. He will devour you. People make fun of me, my brother-in-laws, my wife, because I, I got this alarm clock on my phone, and when David D. travels with me, and we're in some hotel somewhere, whenever we set the alarm, the alarm goes off, and I, I just have that alarm that goes, bah, bah, bah. and my wife doesn't get it, and David D. don't get it. Why would you ever want to wake up to code red? He's like, I have, I'm literally having an anxiety attack as I wake up. And I don't know. I just, I feel like sleep is for sleep. And when it's time to wake up, you wake up. I'm not against your angel music. I'm not against your fade in. But what I would say is when it comes to your spiritual life, you don't need a fade in about the devil's plans. You don't need some chimes and some harps. You need a code red alarm. <laughs> don't play. Don't play. Don't play. Be alert. Be alert. But Peter wouldn't just say be alert. He would say resist. First Peter chapter 5, verse 9. This is just the text that we're reading. Resist. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Resist, resist him. We actually have to resist his schemes, his tactics. We have to resist his temptation. We have to resist giving in to our flesh. We have to fight back. We have to resist. I mean, honestly, as I, as I think about this little word, I think so often in, in church culture and church world, I'll get to talk with people and please hear my heart today. I mean, Jesus is our message. We, we don't believe Jesus came to make bad people good. We don't have a message of morality. We have a message of transformation from the inside out. But we also understand that the enemy wants to lie to us repeatedly. And so I'll talk with some people, and sometimes people will tell me, you know, I'm just really, I'm struggling. You know, I'm struggling. And I think God's got grace for our struggles. I hope you're not hearing this message today, and you're going, oh, so I guess my struggle discounts me. No, your struggle doesn't discount you. But I think there's a lot of people that use the word struggle, but what they really mean is willfully sinning. And the difference between struggling and willfully sinning is one word, resistance. Resistance. 
There's one thing when I'm fighting and I'm resisting and I give in and I fall and I get back up. You see, the glory is not found in never falling. The glory is, falling. The glory is found in, in getting back up and, and rising again. The righteous man falls seven times, but he, but he gets back up. We're thankful for his grace. We're thankful for his grip. We're thankful for his love. We're thankful for his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. There is nothing too big that God cannot forgive you from, and there is no sin too big that God's grace cannot cover. But I want to plead with my brothers and sisters that if you're going to go on this road trip, if you're going to get in this van, this lion is going to be roaring left and right, and you actually have to resist his tactics. Resistance builds strength. Resistance is how you get strong. It's the same thing at the gym, that as I resist and as I push, I become stronger. It works the same way with God. I think so often the little things that I learned as a kid are some of the things I still stand on. Today, I sang to you, he's got the whole world in his hands. But I could also sing right now today, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. For there's a father up above who is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little ears what you hear. For there's a father up above who is looking down in love. So be careful little ears what you hear. This isn't legalism, this is love. This, this, isn't, this isn't legalism, this isn't religion, this is I don't want to get devoured. I'm not playing games with him. He's got a tactic, he wants to ruin me. He wants to steal everything from me. I'm not playing games with this. What's amazing is that when we resist, so often I think about, when we think about this idea of resisting the enemy, the only narrative we have in our mind is I don't want to let God down. I don't want to let God down. What an awful way to live. You can't let God down. You were never holding him up to begin with. You need to change the narrative and the paradigm in your mindset. It's not about letting God down. It's about blessing God. It's not about not hurting God. It's going, I want to, I want to bless you, God. I want to show you that what you've done in my life is so valuable that I will resist. The scripture says this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you Free. See, when we resist, we don't just resist in our own strength. We resist, the scripture says, we stand in faith. So I don't resist in my strength, I resist in faith. What is the faith? The faith is my trust in what Jesus has done. That every time I stumble, he's gonna pick me right back up. And it's that love and that affirmation and that love that flows through me and forgives me that keeps me following after him. So we fight in faith. And the enemy's greatest tactic, what the adversary loves to do, is he loves to roar his accusations in your direction. That's his greatest tool. He loves to come and lie to you, and he loves to come and get you to believe that you are who he says that you are. And the way that you overcome that, according to the scripture, is that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. A lot of people misinterpret that text, because what they say is they say the truth shall set you free. Not true. The truth has always been here, and a whole lot of people still aren't free. The truth is always sitting right here on my shelf. Doesn't mean I'm walking in freedom. It's not enough to have the truth. I got to know the truth. It's when I apply the truth. It's when I put the truth down in my heart, down in my spirit. That's when I'm set free. So when the enemy comes and tells you that you are your mistake, you got to look back and say, that's not true. For there is no condemnation that is in Christ Jesus. 
next time the enemy comes and lies and roars in your direction, that guess what? You have made far too many mistakes. You could never achieve God. You are not a Christian. You are not saved. You go, that's just simply not the truth. Yet to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. Next time you're feeling like he comes and says, you have no purpose, you have no calling, you have no value, you go, that's just simply not true. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be. Next time he comes to you and says, you're never going to get out of this darkness. You're never going to get out of this shame. You're going to always live in this valley. You're going to always live in this depression. You look back and say, that is not the truth. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for his rod and his staff. They comfort me. I know the truth. That's not true. Roar all you want. Roar all you want. That is not the truth. It's not true. Peter says, be alert. Peter says, resist. And lastly, Peter says, remember. Everyone say, remember. As you bring these monitors down just a little bit. He says, be alert. He says, resist. And he says, remember. Look at what he says. You can keep playing, Richie. I like it. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 9, he says, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Whew. The enemy wants to roar and say, get out of the minivan, stop waiting, do it yourself. You're the only one going through what you're going through. Peter says, no, 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 you've got to remember that Christians from the very beginning to the very end, listen to me, you're not the first and you won't be the last. Oh, let me just find comfort in that today. We're not the first and we're not going to be the last. But there's believers who are suffering all over the earth. I like it how one of the pastors in my life says it. He says, you will always be as sick as your secrets. We confess to God for salvation, but we confess to one another for healing. And I think what the enemy wants to tell you is that whatever you're struggling with, or whatever mistake you've made, or wherever you gave up in the past, wherever you stopped waiting on him and started trusting yourself, I don't know. It's all so many different things that we're dealing with. He wants you to believe that you're the only one. Why is that? Well, it's kind of how a lion attacks. When lions attack, they seclude their prey from the pack. They go after the one and they devour. They, they get you away from the community. They get you away from your brothers and sisters. They, they get you away from people. And they, they isolate you so you become more vulnerable. The enemy knows if he can isolate you, if he can get you just living your life up in here, not talking to anybody, not confessing nothing, 
I'm not an advocate that you should get up and confess your sins to the world. I am an advocate that you should confess your sins to someone. You should confess your struggles to someone. Some of you people right now, you're like, I don't know if my marriage can make it. Don't think that anymore. Go tell that to somebody. I, I don't know if I can, if I can give up this, this drinking habit. Don't just keep thinking that and fighting that alone. Go tell somebody. I don't know how to get off these pills. You, you can't just fight that alone. You're, you're vulnerable. I, 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 I feel so alone. Then go tell someone. This is what community is about. Can I just be honest with you? Like, this is me being honest. The way that I've gotten through 2020 is a simple reminder that all the pressure and all the adversity and all the trials that VU Church is facing, guess what? We're not the only church facing it. My experience is not so unique. My pain is not just so authentic. No others are facing it. I can't do it alone, but together we can get through it. I know we're not meeting in person and that breaks my heart, breaks my heart now today more than it did yesterday. It's been difficult not seeing you. Don't you know, we love you. We miss you. I wish I was in Silver Spot right now on a stage shouting at you. I wish I was gonna preach a few more times. I've never missed preaching five times more than I ever have in my life, but never again. Um, we miss seeing you. We love you. Next week, we're gonna have a gathering. It's gonna be beautiful, but I'm so tempted to believe Oh, if we don't gather, we won't have a church. If we don't gather, all the people are going to scatter. If we don't gather, nobody's going to give. If we don't gather, people won't stop serving. If we don't gather, people are going to give up their salvation. If we don't gather, they won't follow Jesus. But history would tell me otherwise. The facts would tell me otherwise. The facts would tell me that in communist China today, that there is a revival breaking out in the Christian community. The facts would tell me that Islamic Iran right now has a revival taking place of the body of Christ. There is no building, there are not four walls that can contain the love of Jesus from breaking out and spreading. We're called to endure. How much longer? A little while longer. Little suffering, loud adversary. Loud, but little. Loud, but little. You wanna know what a good definition of the devil is? He's loud, but little. The enemy in your life is loud, but so little. He's loud with his accusations. But he doesn't realize how little his accusations matter if you're covered by the blood of Jesus. He is so loud roaring around in your life trying to put fear in you. No, we're to be aware, we're to be cautioned, but we are not to walk in fear if we are in Christ Jesus. For he can roar all he wants, but he has no power unless you give it to him. He is loud, but little. I suppose my question for you simply today is this, is can you endure the little by not losing focus on the loud? Can you endure the little by not losing focus on the loud? 
I think the thing that pops up the best to me as I read this scripture is I don't know if you saw it, but I can't move past it. Peter says, be self-controlled, be alert, for your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. What's the point, Rich? Uh, the point is, is that he's not a lion. He's like a lion. He's loud, but he's little. See, everything about the enemy is counterfeit. Everything about the enemy is smoke and mirrors. Everything the enemy wants to offer you is a perversion, a destruction. He doesn't have anything authentic to give you. He doesn't have anything that he has to offer you. All he has is lies. He's loud, but little. He's loud, but little. He's a counterfeit. You know what I mean by counterfeit, right? We're in Dade County here. You got a counterfeit purse, put it under your chair right now. I remember in high school, I got this gold chain. I said, this thing's, this thing's, this thing's, this is awesome. And the thing about the gold chain is it, it, it looked real. And to the untrained eye, to someone who has not been informed, to somebody who's not used to looking at gold, they could look at my gold chain and they might even pay what they believe the assessed value was, believing that it was real. This is what the enemy does. He, he, he offers us gold chains that, that fade away. I remember one day I was sitting in class, just puffed up with pride, big old gold chain. I remember in class, you'd sit in those long rows and person behind me say, hey bro, your neck is all green. So what you talking about? I said, I, I, I don't know. You got, your neck is all green. See, the thing about a counterfeit gold chain is it can look real for a little while. But after a little while, it will fade and it will leave a residue. And this is the enemy in our life. He's like a lion. He is not a lion. He roars and he screams and he lies and he wants you to focus on the little while. You're done. You're over. You failed. You're finished. May I remind you about the grace of God? May I remind you of the man who's, who's writing this scripture to us, Peter? Please understand that he failed worse than most of us could have ever imagined. He betrayed his closest friend, lied about Jesus to a little girl. Oh, but after he encountered the grace of a resurrected Savior, some years later, Peter, the rock upon which this church has been built, he found himself staring at the same cross that Jesus Christ died on, but this time with a new revelation of grace. He said, I won't jump out of the minivan. I won't be swayed. If I have to lose my life in a little while on the cross, so be it. And instead of being crucified like Jesus, he said, if you're going to crucify me, you better hang me upside down. For I am not worth it. I am not valuable. But still somehow, he puts value on me.
He uses me. And if he can use Peter, he can use you. You can endure. You can get back in the van. He's slow to judge, not slow to rescue. The enemy is like a lion. He's taunting you. He's scaring you. Oh, but I want to remind you today, he is loud, but he is so very little, for he is only like a lion. Can I remind you who Jesus is? He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is stable. He is strong. He is firm. He is steadfast. You can build on Jesus. You can rely on Jesus. He ain't like a lion. He is the lion. And when your strategies fail, Jesus prevails. When your plans fail, hear me, let me pass to you for a second, Jesus prevails. Don't put your trust in all this stuff. Don't put your trust in men and women. Jesus prevails. When your money fails, Jesus prevails. When your Instagram projection fails, Jesus still prevails. He's the lion. He's strong, he's firm, he's steadfast, he's, he's faithful. When pastors fail, Jesus prevails. When politics fail, Jesus prevails. When presidents fail, Jesus prevails. So whether the donkey has failed you, or whether the elephant has failed you, can I lift your head up to one who is higher? I don't have a donkey. I don't have an elephant. I have the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he has never failed me yet. He says endure. He says stay faithful. Stay on the journey. You're coming through this thing. Come on, somebody. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.